This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Behind the Markets on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Welcome back to Behind the Markets here in Business Radio, powered by the Warren School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. I'm your host, Jeremy Schwartz, and now I'm going to be welcoming Greg Vellier back to the show. Greg is the Chief Global Strategist Horizon Investments, and he talks to clients about how events in Washington might affect their investments. Uh, Greg, I think the last time you were on the show, Donald Trump had just been sworn in as president. I think so, and, and Jeremy, from then until now, he's been very good for me. <laughs> you're, you're a lot more commenting the entire time. You got I'm sure you're on Twitter a little bit more than you might have been yep. before the uh, the inauguration. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the list of things that you know, my clients are big investors. I mean, the list of things that they're concerned about. My gosh, I'm sure we'll talk about them in the next few minutes. Whether it's trade or him going after the Federal Reserve or deficits, taxes. I mean, it's been uh, quite a ride. I mean, one of the, how do you th- think big picture? I mean, when a lot of there's a there, very heated emotions on both sides, right? On sort of the pro-Trump, the 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 anti-Trump. H- how do you think people really? I mean, when you talk to clients and investors, how are you suggesting a they should filter all this political noise in terms of actually thinking about what to do with their portfolios? Well, it's a great question, and I'd say that what I say to clients, and most all of them agree, is filter this out. Don't pay attention to the tweets to all the crazy stuff that goes on every day, and look at the fundamentals. And the economic fundamentals, I think, are still very good. You know, contained inflation, decent GDP, wonderful labor market, solid corporate earnings, on and on and on. So I think that you have to divorce the, all the nonsense coming out of Washington with the fundamentals, which are still really good. Yeah, there is a lot of a lot of noise, a lot of tweets. Um, what as you think through? I mean, I, certainly when we've talked about big picture outlook, we we've thought you know you had this view of the Fed hiking rates as one thing, creating a little bit of a headwind, and then you also have the midterm elections coming yep. up, and that is the other sort of uncertainty period where you know the the Republicans have control of the House, the Senate, the presidency. What's your sense on, do you think there's going to be more volatility with the midterms? Do you have a view on, I think the, if you look at the odds makers, the odds makers are like two to one that the Democrats take the, take control back of the, of the House. What's your, your general sense? But l- let me take the two issues you mentioned very quickly first. Uh, we all know the Fed is going to raise rates in September, and it's virtually certain, and they probably will raise rates in December. That's not the issue. The issue is that Trump has indicated that he might make uh, the Fed chairman, Jay Powell, a target. If we get two more rate hikes, I could see in, uh, you know, in late December Trump tweeting about the Fed overdoing it, and I think that would be an irritant for the markets. The second issue, of course, the election, uh, it's, it's an unusual split based on who's up in the Senate, but I think the odds do favor the House flipping back to the Democrats. But I just can't make the numbers work for the Democrats in the Senate. I think the Republicans might actually gain a seat or two based on who's up. There's an unusual split of who's up, and the Democrats just happen to have a lot of really vulnerable seats. Do you have a do you want to, you know, I don't I'm not as race by race and have no real background on 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 doing that. Any commentary on what what are the most interesting races to be watching? Well, I'd say that the Democrats have to pick up at least two of the three shaky Republican seats. That would be in Tennessee, 
Uh, it would be uh, in Arizona, and it would also, boy, I can't remember the other one, uh, but I, I don't see right now the Democrats being able to pick up uh, two or three. Maybe they can pick up one. That might be it. Hmm. And then, and then the narrative is that you think the uh, that the Republicans will the odds makers are still saying two to one on on the House. So what what's is it that it's just you got Trump and people aren't as happy with what where he's going that they're going to sort of put put the. Uh, the change on or any other things on the on the races that make you think that that's sort of the right prescription i mean i think you have to ask the question in every election uh, about turnout and i think the more motivated voters are um are democrats i think people of color uh women young people are far more uh far more inclined to turn out this time so i i so i would say turnout would would definitely favor the democrats you know a great unknown is could you see a lot of republican voters come out because the economy is so good you know if people do vote their pocketbooks the republicans have a chance but i'd say right now uh the democrats are favored uh to take the uh to take back the the house hmm. now what, what in terms of the uh the trade negotiations that we're hearing it, what what's your inside view? I mean, we, we've uh, I, I heard a, a, a recent view that you know we're gonna as we get to the midterms, you're gonna slowly see trickle by trickle things with Mexico, things with NAFTA, things then to Europe, and then to ultimately to China, sort of the last right before the midterms start to roll in, start to get a little bit more. Maybe not everything is signed mm-hmm. and sealed before the midterms, but they're just gonna start rolling these deals in. Uh, is that is that consistent with what you're hearing? Or yeah. And I should I just add one thing, and that is immigration is still a big deal. And I, I, the third seat that the Democrats are looking at is, you know, it's Nevada, Arizona, and Tennessee. So especially in Nevada and Arizona, immigration is an issue that uh, is going to be huge. As far as uh, trade, I, I think that this president realizes that he might have to cool it for a while. Uh, as you know, the markets rallied uh, in the last few days because the U.S.-China talks will, will resume. Uh, we're getting close to a deal with Mexico. And I think Trump realizes that if he stays strident and hardline and rigid on trade, uh, that could hurt the Republicans, especially in the farm belt where there's already a lot of anxiety over things like soybeans. Yeah, no, I mean the the, the ag prices there. It's it's an interesting where you're saying, well, hey, um, we need to fight back on China, and some of that, you know, the fighting back is 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 warranted if they have all of our IP when we go over there. Some yep. of that's it's a it's a worthwhile somebody sticking up for that, um, but you know, I, I don't think anybody really wants to see all their prices rise. No, but I, I tell people as I travel around the country, it's a bit surprising in, inside the Beltway, both parties are pretty united on the issue of. The Chinese have to be punished. I mean, they've stolen our intellectual property. They steal a lot of our new technology. I mean, you see counterfeit uh, products on, uh, on the streets of Beijing within weeks of these products being introduced in the U.S. So I do think there's a strong desire uh, to hit back on the Chinese. And I think the Chinese are starting to squirm. Uh, their markets are shaky. Uh, there's talk of layoffs. Uh, there's talk also of internal dissent in China over which way to go. Mm-hmm. So I think this is starting to have an impact on China. 
And anything else from the ramifications to the rest of Asia? I mean, I think the, you know, a lot of, we, we, we had Graham Allison on our program before talking about Thucydides' trap and how the rise of China versus the U.S. And, and it could always be a third actor, somebody like North Korea, who pulls us into a, a real conflict with China. But do you, do you have a sense, I think everybody was surprised. Everybody thought you might get a, you know, there was all the, uh, the really talk that, oh, we're going to get a nuclear war with North Korea, but now we actually have them sort of signing a, a peace treaty. A, any sense on, on how that is going the, through the rest of Asia? Yeah, I, I think it's too premature to declare victory with North uh, Korea, but uh, clearly the chances of war today are a heck of a lot less than the chances of war a year ago, so you have to be encouraged by that. Uh, frankly, I worry more about Iran uh, than any other country. But no, I, I think the 800-pound the, the, the gorilla in the room is the Chinese, and the, the question is, do they finally get it? Do they understand they're going to have to make significant concessions, or this trade war is going to persist for you know, many, many more months? Yeah, I mean, the, the Iran point is interesting. I saw some stories talking about how how Putin might be coming together with an Iran and Turkey yeah. summit, uh, and that might be by him sort of getting this trio together. Is there any, is that any I mean, commentary on, on just that Turkey situation boiling over with, with Iran? You know, I, I don't see the end game, Jeremy. I don't see the, uh, the Turks releasing this uh, minister, and there are a couple of other U.S. prisoners as well, and I don't see the Trump administration making any concessions. So this could drag on for a while. And I do think that uh, when you drag in countries like Iran, potentially, that, uh, that that's something you've got to be concerned about. So again, I, uh, I, I worry a lot about that. I worry that uh, we could have a spark in the Persian Gulf, that a, an Iranian ship could hit a U.S. ship, and there could be several days of real tension. So that's, that's one that I think is high on my list of wild cards for the markets over the next several months. Yep. We're, we're, we're talking with Greg Valliere, Chief Global Strategist at Horizon Investments, uh, focuses a lot on what's going on in Washington, how that impacts portfolios, and, and really politics has become center stage for everybody on a daily basis, but also you know for the markets. And you know we were just talking about sort of maybe Russia coming together on, on overlooking Iran and Turkey, um, but you know you can't also escape daily conversation of, of Russia, the Mueller investigation. Do do people do investors care about this this uh, this investigation? They've got one eye on it, but I don't think the uh, the Mueller stuff has really uh, had a huge impact on the markets. It certainly hasn't on the price of stocks, I would argue. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I think there's a realization that Mueller will come up with something. He's indicated he does not feel he has the statutory authority to indict a sitting president, but he can indict a heck of a lot of other people uh, close to the president, and I don't rule that out. So th this story's got a ways to go. I think that Mueller will dump everything he gets onto Congress. I think if the Democrats take uh, the, the House, and I do think they will, by early next year, there'll be talk of a uh, of an impeachment or an indictment. The words are interchangeable. I think the House could impeach. The key issue, of course, is could the Senate convict? And I just don't see 67 votes in the Senate to convict. But, I mean, who wants to go through this? Who wants to have month after month of an impeachment trial? I, I don't think that's a positive story for the markets. No, that, anytime you bring uncertainty, I mean, you could say one of the things that the market does not like is uncertainty, and that yep. that does sound like one of the issues that could bring you know why you might have political noise coming back after after the midterms or even around the midterms is is this potential here. And and frankly, 
who knows what's in all these tapes that uh, Omarosa has, that uh, uh, Michael Cohen has. I mean, there's, there's probably more stuff to come. And that does raise the possibility that an impeachment trial could become um, a real concern for the markets. But again, for now, I'm sticking with my story. I do not see 67 votes in the Senate to convict. So, you know, if we get to that point where there is this extra noise and and, and potentially sell-offs as as you get that noise, that you would say, well, what 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 are you? What would you actually say? How would you think going into that? Do you think people should be taking some chips off the table? We've had such strong markets. Now is the time to get more defensive ahead of that, and then you come back in afterwards. Is that what? Is that uh, part of part of your prognostication? The, the markets are so immune to this stuff. Let, let let me make this comment. I I think that. When there's great uncertainty, and we've seen it recently with Turkey and the lira, we've seen it with uh, trade in China, investors just instinctively go to safe havens. Well, the safest haven of all is U.S. Treasuries. And what we've seen, as you well know, in the last few weeks is interest rates dropping because uh, Treasuries look more attractive during a period of uncertainty. So that's the silver lining in all of this that you could see, uh, ironically, even if there's a Turkey crisis or a Trump crisis, you could see interest rates fall because of a stronger demand for that safe haven of treasuries. Yeah, and, and despite all the extra borrowing, despite the Fed balance sheet, yeah. um, all these pressures that should be suggesting that you know rising deficits, Fed selling, or, or sort of rolling off their balance sheet, you should be seeing rates pressuring higher. You know, the Fed did a survey, oh, maybe a decade ago, and they concluded that there's not a strong correlation between deficits and higher rates, maybe a little higher. But I think the thing that would affect rates is inflation, uh, an overheating economy, something like that. So I I think that we still have some time to get by without the deficit dramatically hurting the economy. But I got to tell you, there's virtually no one in this city, in Washington, who seems to all that concerned about the deficit. I think people are oblivious. They're willing to spend more. And at some point, these chickens are going to come home to roost. The Republicans care about the deficits when the Democrats are in. Yep. And then you got Trump in. They don't, they don't really care. Yep, absolutely. So you, you, you're going to see that continue uh, until we get a catalyst. That catalyst would be an angry market saying, do something. But it, it hasn't come yet. I mean, it's an interesting theory that you should just keep the deficit spending until the market's care and start pressuring rates higher. Yeah, and, you know, that'll come. You know, maybe it's in 2021. I've, I'm not smart enough to tell you what year you know, the deficit will start yeah. to really unnerve uh, the markets. But when it comes, everyone will have to face up to the dirty little secret, and that is the prescriptions required to deal with the deficit are politically unpalatable. And no one wants to lose their next election. And when you look at what you've got to do to reduce the deficit, there's no easy choices. Yeah. When, when you think about the really looking forward beyond the midterms, and you think what are the big, you know, or sort of the next uh, sort of looking forward, who do you think rivals, uh, rivals Trump in the, next, in the next set of elections? Do you think on the Republican side and then also yeah. on the Democrat side, assuming that he, he doesn't get impeached like you're suggesting, mm-hmm. um, who, who, who's going to be the contenders? Well, first of all, if Trump really wants a second term, he, he's got the nomination. I can't see any Republican taking him out, not John Kasich, Mitt Romney, you know, Nikki Haley. If he really wants a second term, the party, which is like 90% behind him, will renominate him. So then you look at the Democrats, and right now the big story for them, of course, is where are they headed? Are they headed off to a more socialist agenda? 
which I think could scare middle America? Uh, or are the Democrats going to go with some very elderly uh, dinosaurs, you know, Biden, Bernie, people like that? So when you look at who the Democrats have, you would conclude, I think, the Democrats need some fresh blood, whether it's Kamala Harris, whether it's uh, Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker. Uh, but most of these people aren't well known. So I would say right now, you mentioned earlier the betting odds in Vegas. The betting odds in Vegas right now is that Trump could win a second term. Hmm. And uh, is there any sort of tail candidate like a, uh, a Howard Schultz coming in from from Starbucks? I don't see it. I get the question all the time because uh, they're different. Uh, but we just elected somebody who was an outsider who wasn't super knowledgeable on policies. We're going to do that again? You know, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think, you know, what I always sort of say half-jokingly, if I tripped down a flight of stairs today and tore up my knee, I would want to go to the best orthopedic surgeon in Washington, not somebody who's never done an operation. And I think the idea of an amateur uh, has real limitations in every field, including the presidency. People just might think he just wasn't our guy and that, you know, on the other side of it, that once they get their guy in, you know, that... that, uh... Yeah, these issues are so complex and you need the institutional knowledge uh, and I, I think... You need somebody who uh, is perhaps a bit more into the policy nuances. Uh, but again, I would say that uh, there's a very plausible case to be made that Trump could win re-election. Now, he does have, you know, when you think about the, the scoreboard for him, he's got jobs. He's got the unemployment rate yep. basically heading to 50-year lows. Yep. He's got job growth doing well. He's got the GDP numbers printing high, 4%. He's got a lot of things he can take some some credit for. What in terms of other policies? Is there any policies he's going to be able to, or are the Republicans able to push through? They always talked about infrastructure. We yeah. have, that sort of fell off the cliff. No real discussions there. But any other things that you know, tangible policies that you think we might see? Or is it all just wait till the mid midterms and after that we're gonna we, we'll see well, what I, happens. I tell you, Jeremy, it's going to be an interesting fall. First of all, I think the votes are there to confirm uh, Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. Uh, maybe one or two Republicans, like Susan Collins of Maine, would vote against him. Uh, but I think there are you know, three, four, five Democrats who would vote for him, Democrats like Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota, who are really in trouble in this November's election. So I, I think he'll win on the Supreme Court nominee. And Trump has gotten a lot of conservative judges confirmed for circuit court seats in the last year. Uh, otherwise, you know, I don't see tax cut two. The votes aren't there for that. I, you're right. I don't see infrastructure anytime soon. I don't see immigration. I think both parties cynically use the issue of immigration to uh, fire up their base. Uh, the only other wild card would be a government shutdown on October 1, when the new fiscal year starts. If Trump doesn't get a chunk of money for a wall, He's threatened to shut down, but my hunch is most Republicans will go to him and dissuade him from doing this. I think they worry that a government shutdown a month before the election is a really dumb idea. Especially when you, you it's hard to blame the other side. It's like, yep. uh, it, you know, who's responsible? This is uh, all on you. Yep, exactly. Um, any other, as you think, as you forward, looked, looked from the, the, the other big issues that, that we're going to be confronting, any other issues that people should be focused on as we get to the midterms? Well, let me just, if, if we've got another minute or so, let me just throw this at you. Uh, 
by raising the issue of Fed rate hikes, Trump has now put Powell in a very awkward position. If Powell maybe starts to slow down next year, maybe because of tariffs, mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't raise rates as much as we thought, people would say, aha, Trump is, being, uh, is influencing the Fed. And they would, people would think about the old days with Arthur Burns and Richard Nixon, when Nixon uh, intimidated Burns and we got inflation. Or on the other hand, if uh, Powell keeps raising rates, he'll have a target on his back. He'll be uh, criticized by not just Republicans like Trump, but by the left, by Paul Krugman, by Bernie Sanders, by Elizabeth Warren. So Powell is now in a really awkward spot. And the greatest irony of all is that Trump had the most dovish Fed chairman ever in our lifetime, and he fired her. And, you know, maybe because she was an Obama appointee, and Trump is famous for wanting to purge any sign of Obama. But he had the perfect Fed governor, and he fired her. Always careful what you wish for. Now, yep. he has a lot of open seats on on other, you know, there's a number of Fed governor slots. Um, I mean, it's a very slim board. Doesn't he have another three or four positions? I, I think he's got three more. And, you know, he'll listen to Larry Kudlow and he'll listen to others. Uh, I don't see a, a radical Fed. I, I think that uh, my concern would be uh, him saying to potential appointees, you know, go easy on the interest rates. And I think that is something that no Fed appointee can assure the president. The, the, the Fed is uh, very, very jealously guarding its independence. Have you even heard names banted around? For- I, have, I haven't. I, frankly, I haven't been looking at it. I've been spending more time on trade, it seems, than than and the fall election than any other issues. Yeah, I haven't heard any names um, floated by, and I, that is certainly one of the, the open spots, so it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yep. So we ha- we ha- we're we in our final two-minute countdown. Um, any other issues that you think we should uh, just finally focus on? Well, I do think after the election, Jeremy, there's going to be a mass exodus. I think you're going to see a lot of people leave the White House. Uh, maybe some good ones, like uh, Mattis, the uh, Secretary of Defense. I, I think the press secretary, Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders, probably will leave. I think Kelly will stay, but I think an awful lot of people are, are burned out. It's a very stressful job. It's not the easiest place to work. So you'll see a new group uh, come in. But it's still, at the end of the day, it's Trump's show. It's Trump's tweets. But as I say to all of my clients, all of the investors I see, try not to spend much time focusing on the tweets, focus instead on the fundamentals, and they still look great. They still look great, but then if we get, uh, if we get this anxiety, it's going uh, to be an interesting. How can people stay in touch with all your capital notes and all, and all your research? Well, I work for a great firm called Horizon Investments. They're in Charlotte, and just, I, I, just shoot me an email, gvalier at horizoninvestments.com, and we'll put you, I do a daily piece. Uh, it can be read in one minute. Uh, try to stay uh, on the 50-yard line, and uh, just throw me an email, and we'll put you on the list. Greg, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for coming back. All right. Great to talk to you, Jeremy. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.